Welcome to the Dave's I Know podcast. Uh, we were unable to record a co-open last night because we were just so excited about Matt Van Oakle being on the podcast. Um, so we literally just forgot to do it. Um, and so what's going to happen here is uh, after I do this brief uh, intro, um, we're going to take a musical break, jump into the Matt Van Oakle interview, and then we will, on the back half of the podcast, talk a little bit more about um, Bundesliga, uh, K-League coming up, um, Ian Wright. We have some really cool, interesting topics on the back half. So I encourage you to stick around if you're only here for Matt. Um, he's about the first 45 minutes of the podcast, and then the back half um, is some really cool, interesting stuff. I think we have our, our own unique takes on it. Um, so we were really excited um, to get Matt, Matt on the podcast. He uh, is my Minnesota goalkeeper when I think of goalkeepers. Um, he played, obviously, under Neil Platter and Joe Warren um, after signing a professional contract and after dropping dropping out of Rutgers. He tells a really great story about that. Um, but when I really became a fan of Minnesota soccer was in 2012 and when Matt Van Ockel, uh started um, in goal. So I really, when I think about Minnesota goalkeepers in history, um, I think about Matt Van Ockel as my goalkeeper. He tells some great stories about his time with Minnesota. Um, including a really great Carl Craig story, if you haven't heard. Um, he talks a bit about his time in Edmonton. Um, uh, re- reacts fondly to his time in Edmonton. Talks a little bit about RSL and, and working with Nick Romando. Um, and then, you know, what he's doing now with Birmingham FC um, as the starting goalkeeper and uh, a the goalkeeping, the first team goalkeeping coach and kind of what he wants to do moving forward. So definitely, uh, it's a really great interview. Um, we're really happy to have Matt, um, who is quarantining down in, in Birmingham, Alabama. And we are, uh, you know, if you can, please stick around and check out the rest of the podcast. So um, cue the musical break, and then we'll be right back with Matt Van Oakle. For cats, we are the Daves. You know, this is the Daves I know. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to. But we both know I can't do nothing at all. here with uh stars legend uh matt van oko welcome welcome to the dave's i know podcast matt yeah thanks guys for having me cool well um if you're not familiar uh as i mentioned matt a uh, long time uh thunder slash star slash minnesota united goalkeeper um obviously play has been playing ever since then um and is currently playing with uh birmingham fc um, as a goalkeeping goalkeeper and a first team goalkeeper coach. So I think maybe um, probably just jump in with some Minnesota United Thunder Stars questions. Is that, uh, <laughs> does that sound good? Sounds great. Cool. Um, all right. So I guess first question, uh, well, basically, t- can you tell us a little bit about how you got hooked up with Minnesota? Um, you were a Rutgers grad, correct? Uh, a Rutgers dropout, but yeah, dropout. I, okay. I left hey, uh, fellow dropout. Yeah, I left my senior year, my or my spring semester, my senior year. Uh, one of my boys uh, that lives in New Jersey, New York, right now, 
him and I basically did the combine tour. We weren't drafted, no combine invitations or anything like that. And uh, we hit up every open combine we could on the East Coast. And I think we hit up like seven or eight of them that year. And there's one left that I didn't go to, and that was Minnesota's. And uh, Amos McGee, I met um, so many just absolute legends of the Minnesota soccer world then. And uh, they invited me back uh, the next week to do training camp, like a mini camp with some of their signed guys that were still there in the off season. So a week later, uh, I signed my contract and uh, I was in my leadership class at Rutgers when I got the phone call. My teacher was so pissed that I took the phone call in the middle of the class. I was like, <laughs> I gotta take this. I walked back in, two of my boys were in the class and uh, they're like, what, how'd it go? And I was like, dude, I'm leaving school right now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh about a thousand mile trek and journey through the ice and cold and uh i was a minnesota man then <laughs> what would you tell that kid today to do oh uh, what would i tell that kid today hold on i gotta move because my light went off stay in that class yeah. um <laughs> I, what i would tell myself now um buy bigger clothes my boots weren't strong enough um and <laughs> welcome to the north yeah there you go learn how to skate so uh so you spent those those first few years um working with minnesota working with uh joe warren i always i joke um so i released i really started following the team in 2012 when you took over as the starting goalkeeper um so i don't have a ton of joe warren memories but maybe could you tell us a little bit about uh joe warren as a legend in minnesota (laughs) soccer um and what was like (laughs) Working with him and, and sort of being his uh, his backup and understudy and getting to yeah, get so I mean, like that. Yeah, so obviously my first two years I was there, I was playing under Nick Platter, and uh, mm-hmm. I had started to hear uh, the Joe Warren saga, the stories, the man, the myth, and the legend that he is um, and will always be. And then, uh, yeah, 2010 was when I met the guy for I think I saw him in a couple of games met him a couple of times beforehand but then started playing with him and I was like oh my god this man dwarfs me and he's still athletic at 36 37 years old and I was like wow this is awesome um but yeah I mean I think every road trip that we went on to every night would finish up back at his room um having a beer and him telling stories of um even like the A-League days, the days before the USL and stuff like that. And uh, it was just, it made us all appreciate the veterans and the stories of where the league has come from and is currently at. So I, I can't dive into too many Joe Warren stories. That's um, fair. Got to respect. One of, my, respect one, of my fa- one of my favorites that I'll remember, though, is that one day at training where guys are sending in crosses. And I mean, he was, he was all American and basketball, track and field and soccer. And this guy just jumps up out of nowhere and catches a, like a cross that's way over his head with one hand and palms it in the air. And I, I just stood there like, what did I just witness right here? And, but he, he was just an absolute freak of athleticism, even at that age. And I would have loved to have seen him uh, in his prime 10 years earlier. Yeah. I was in a birthday uh, Zoom the other night, and and Mr. L Disco was there, and uh, he told me to say hi to you. Yeah, I, I try and keep up with Nick as much as I can. I think him and I talk once every two or three weeks. Yeah, good guy. Yeah. Cool. 
Um, so I guess we're mostly have a question. We have like a lot of questions kind of like this. Um, and then we'll talk, we can talk a little bit more about, you know, what you're doing now and all that, but if you don't mind indulging us a, a little bit, um, I guess, so I had this question, then uh, one of our, uh, one of the people who follows us, uh, Steve Lilly also asked, what was the, uh, the favorite defending group that you had in front of you in your time in Minnesota? Oh man, we had, we had some legit guys in the back. Like mm -hmm. I remember my rookie year, we had a uh, big tall Kevin Taylor, who was just an animal center back. Um, obviously I played all seven of my years there in Minnesota with Brian Coleman. So, and him and I were roommates on every road trip. So I mean, Brian, <laughs> if you guys ever have him on, have fun with that conversation. Um, so, I mean, Brian's got to be my all-time favorite right back. Um, I had some fantastic other center backs, like watching like uh, Tiago Calvano with the Minnesota United. Cristiano Diaz was there for a long time with me. Um, absolutely wonderful left foots. And then, obviously, I had the pleasure of playing with uh, Justin Davis and Kevin Venegas. So, two guys that made the jump to the MLS with them. So, I mean, it's hard to pick just a couple of guys in a back line because, I mean, I had a bunch of guys. I mean, I, I can't even leave out Kyle Altman. So, I mean. Dr. Captain. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Dr. Captain. So, I mean, he was, he was great to have back there. But I think um, uh, if I have to narrow it down right now, it's got to be Justin Davis as the left back. I'm going to go with Kyle Altman and Connor, Connor Tobin. Good old Turbo as the center yeah. back pairing. And then Brian Coleman as the right back. <clears throat> yeah. Excellent. Nice. That's a damn That's good a nice back, back four. It's not bad. I'd play with him again if I could. Nice. Um, so speaking of Justin Davis, actually we had uh, Chris Lidholm on a uh, Zoom happy hour call a couple weeks ago, and he mentioned a story that uh, featured you and Justin Davis. Uh, it was after you guys won the won the title in Fort Lauderdale, and uh, according to Lidholm, you came up to him. Uh, I can't remember where you guys were, but you basically asked him if he was sober, and then threw him the keys to the van that you guys had. Had you guys, <laughs> had, you, had him drive you to a club in Fort Lauderdale. Um, and apparently Justin Davis uh, turned up the radio because there was an LAMFAO song and was dancing, shaking his butt in uh, Lidholm's face. Everybody um, shuffling. Yeah, everybody shuffling, exactly. <laughs> that story that story's 100% true. Anything it's, else you want to add? It's 100% true. Uh, I, I would fill you guys in with more of the blanks and details, but at that point after a championship win, uh, I don't think any of us really remember what happened afterwards. <laughs> I, I, kind of, I kind of figured as much. So I tried to get Lit home to give us a little more details and he was very, he's uh, tight lipped unfortunately. So, or fortunately for you guys, he's tight lipped. So That's very good for us. Uh, MJ. Do you have a favorite Carl Craig or Mitch Hillerat story, one or both? Mitch Hildebrandt. Where do I begin with that guy? Um, I think my favorite Mitch Hildebrandt story or slash saga of stories has to be, um, I guess I'd still want to ask him now is um, why at the end of a hot training session, he would take his shorts off and just practice in his sliders. Always a confused one on those types of goalkeepers. I know a lot of us are pretty mental in the head, but uh, I was never one to disrobe and start trading in my skinnies. 
Uh, Carl Craig. God, that's another one. Where do I begin? Um, Carl Craig has taught me, taught me more in a couple of years about coaching than I think I'll learn from anyone else. And I absolutely love that guy with how well he was able to form relationships. And he really molded me into where I want to take my career post-playing into the coaching realm and understanding all aspects of the game. So I love Carl. Um, I think my favorite Carl Craig memory, hopefully he doesn't get too pissed at me saying this one. Uh, we had just beaten St. Louis away when they were playing at Anheuser-Busch. I think there was that one year that they played and then they folded after that. And then they came back in the USL a couple of years later. Uh, we had beaten them and we had a 14 hour bus ride back straight after the game. And I think we convinced the coaching staff to stop and grab us some beers. And we got grabbed a couple of cases for the bus ride home. And we're in the back playing cards, just having a good time. And Carl tries to bite the bottle cap off of a beer. <laughs> Chipped his, chipped his tooth in the process and spit the tooth out while we were drinking. And we just carried on like nothing happened. Oh, my gosh. Oh, just an, he was an animal. He taught, yeah. he taught us a lot of things as well as how to do that. Yeah. Or how not to do that, as it were. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I reached out to uh, Kevin Friedland today to ask him for a comment. And, and of course he had one, but I want to turn it on. He, he asked me to have you tell the story of meeting your wife, but I would rather have you tell the story of Kevin Friedland's dating habits at the time. Oh boy. <laughs> I think that would be a better story, right? I, uh... <laughs> Cause he obviously wants to embarrass you. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. I'm happy. <laughs> Kevin has found love. Yes. And has a beautiful baby um, that we enjoy following. Um, the year, early years of Kevin were funny. He was, uh, he was an interesting guy. I had a girlfriend for many years. And I think, it was, I think it was his hair. It was just too long. It was too good looking. The, the horse and mane and tail was just too powerful <laughs> for her to really compete. And uh, so I think that's why that one dissolved in the end. But uh, no, nah, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Friedland. How did I leave him off my back line? Uh, uh, he would run up to any ball, any anywhere in the, opposing half's, uh, in the opposing half and be like, guys, long throw. We're like, Kevin, you're 60 yards from the goal. You're not going to get able anywhere close and he'd try his hardest to get a long throw into the box oh man I love right. that yeah we're, we're glad he's back here living too <laughs> see him quite a bit he's a good guy yeah i mean my i'm trying to think my my meeting my wife story wasn't that crazy yeah i don't know he didn't he didn't elaborate yeah it, it wasn't embarrassing at all um my wife and mother of my two children was one of the cheerleaders for the minnesota thunder for a couple of years and uh we met at like an after party and i looked her up and down and said hi i'm matt nice to meet you <laughs> that sounds like a fine place <laughs> exactly yeah, i think it was yeah at, i think it was at o'gara's oh yeah oh, i yeah. met my wife uh at soccer like she's a she's a fellow dark cloud supporter so <laughs> you know. 
<laughs> and sure enough, whatever, 13 years later, we're still together. So there you go. Sounds good. She followed you all over the country, all over the place. Yeah. Put up with your, uh, your shenanigans. Huh? My, my antics. Yes. Yes. My shenanigans. Like, Hey, I want to bleach my hair. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're 33, sweetie. Why would you do that? I'm bored. It's quarantine. Let's do something stupid. <laughs> Yeah, you got to get through this. <laughs> so uh, I went back today and uh, I haven't watched it since uh, since it was played, but I actually uh, horrifically went back and watched that 2014 uh, semifinal match against uh, against uh, against the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. And uh, and it made me feel really bad for Kevin Benagas, but uh, uh do you have any memories of uh, of that match, and especially the last couple minutes of the match? I know. I mean, how, what an absolute crazy game that was. I mean, I remember it being freezing cold. Uh, I think that was the one that Jamie Watson came in as a sub and tore his ACL as well. He did. And that, yeah, I mean, I remember him coming back the next year. But, yeah, I mean, what a crazy, crazy game that was. Uh, the way it finished, um, everything I just felt like was – was it looked like all right we're gonna get one we're gonna get one we're gonna get one and i mean granted their goalkeeper uh, what was his name klinovsky yeah yeah he had an absolute worldie that game and the pens as well as uh as well as in the regular regular match and full 90 and stuff like that and yeah I, it's that's one of those games that i don't say it's gonna haunt me for the rest of my career but it's definitely one that i wanted to win uh, yeah back to the finals again because i mean that that essentially was my last game in a Minnesota jersey. It, it was. It was. I was. I was sad. And Miguel's goal was a bizarre goal. Yeah. And uh, and that, and that if, was the crazy Venegas offside goal. Yeah. 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 Where it like bounced it, off of him and went right to their. Is it Martin Nunez that scored it? Yep, Nunez, who you had played with. Played with and against many times. So yeah. I, yeah. I mean, what an absolute shocker. It was, who was the fucking referee that that? that uh, I, that's something I won't remember, and I won't tell. Yeah. On. I don't know if I can still get fined for yelling at referees. We're just talking about yeah. that. Yeah. Another thing that long ago. Anyways, that guy's very very disliked among other referees that I know. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we can say that. Yeah. yeah. So. I might still get him this year or next year and stuff like that. So I want to make <laughs> exactly. sure I get him. He's like, oh, you're the asshole that blew me up on that show. <laughs> on that podcast. That, yeah, on like, the podcast. <laughs> the, the other fun thing about watching that back was just hearing Buzz in the booth. And I hadn't heard his voice in the booth for a long time. Yeah. All right. Um, we have a couple others, just very quick uh, Minnesota United, uh, Minnesota Stars questions. Uh, uh, Somebody wants to know what is the – or who is the weirdest player you ever played with in Minnesota? And he said by weird, could be pre-match, ritual, superstitions, whatever. What, who is the weirdest person you ever played with? Let's see. I mean, Simone Bracolello has got to be up there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I mean, you, we can all, you can ask anyone about his – what he would wear under his shorts. It was like granny panties, <laughs> dirty, white, skid marks. Like fruit of the loom underwears, and he must have had them for twenty years, and they were—they had no elastic, but he wore them every match. Um, right. Let's see. I mean, Mitch has got to be up there. Mitch Hildebrandt. I mean, he would never face his chair out 
of the into the locker room and look at all of us. He would always face his chair into his locker, like there he was watching the TV in there. Um, let's see. I know Who goalkeepers are. I'm, I was a goalkeeper in <laughs> hockey, so I know goalkeepers are weird generally. So, yeah, yeah that, that's funny. That's interesting. Yeah, You're calling our guest weird. <laughs> I hope Mitch plays his back. So, and, and oh, it'll make up that I just pledged him ten bucks for his little fun run that he did last month. So, nice. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, I feel like I feel like a lot of our like really fun locker rooms and stuff like that during those years. Because I mean, we had some absolute great locker rooms was more about just just blue collar guys. I mean, I felt like most of the teams that I played with there were all just like almost embraced the Minnesota spirit of just like roll up your sleeves and let's go to work. And uh, so, I mean, everyone was pretty much straightforward for the most part. I mean, I did eat candy before every game, mostly Reese's peanut butter cups, but, um, but yeah, I, other than that, there's not too many just crazy superstitions that I remember. Cool. Uh, and then uh, uh, our friend Christian also asked, uh, "What was your favorite moment at uh, at the Nessie?" At the Nessie, golly! I would say maybe non 2011 first leg edition, right? So obviously winning that first leg was important and big, but like, what you what was your favorite moment at the Nessie other than that? Oh, uh, we're talking 2012, or or or, or after. Yeah, yeah so, so it'd be 2012, the first leg and stuff like that. Right before when we beat Tampa, I think it was, yeah, it was 2 0 um, yeah. at home in the finals, that first leg. I thought that was just, that was awesome. I remember like running over to the fans on the far side and like I, I got a couple of like those pictures, like actually like framed up in my house right now. Just like it was just an absolute like incredible moment and just like you could felt, feel like the support and the love from like the fans and like that was awesome what we just did. And all right, next week, let's finish it off. And yeah, we messed that one up too. But um, yeah, that was that was a real fun time. And uh, golly, what was my other really fun one? Oh, I think it was uh, when we played Comunicaciones. That was a fun one. Uh, and gosh, it must have been one of the Open Cup, uh, when it was the US Open Cup, or not US Open Cup, what was the blend, USA Cup. There we go, when we had that like friendly against them. And we had whatever. It was like the first time I felt like we ever had more than like three or 4,000 people at the game. Like we had a full packed house. It was like, I think it might have been July 4th weekend or something like that. It was just an absolute incredible atmosphere to see that we have a ton of soccer support here in Minnesota. And uh, it was a really fun game to be a part of. Did you, did you feel like that? Um that Minnesota soccer, like I mean, compared to all the other places, I mean, don't, I don't want you to rank like supporter fans or whatever bases or whatever, but did you really feel like Minnesota had a, had a good soccer, good soccer support? Towards the later years. I think so. Um, I think once, uh, what was it? Was it Germany world cup? Was that 14? Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah there we go. Uh, we had hired Andrea Yock. Yep. And I felt that she turns the marketing, the PR relationships between fans, news coverages, all of that stuff with the players into a huge positive. And you could see that year. Also, I think the rebrand to Minnesota United 
uh, the year previous. No, yes, the year previous and stuff like that. And it's just the type of players that we are signing. And Bruce McGuire's, I think, marketing idea really came to fruition. And you could see it really grow that year. It was like, I knew guys were on the streets, like getting stopped and like mugged for photos and pictures here and there. And all of a sudden it was like the first time, I mean, that was year seven for me. It was the first time that you like, you really felt like a pro soccer player. Like, oh crap, I can't go out in public every second of the day. Um, but it was, it was a really cool thing to see how I felt Andrea really put us into a certain spotlight and elevated us within the community. And I think that brought more and more people out to the games because all right, now you're seeing these guys just going into Walmart, grabbing their groceries, or we're just taking a stroll down whatever first Ave and stuff. And then it, it, I think it just went bananas from there. And it was incredible to see the support. Yeah. I definitely remember like from like 2012 when I really started following the team to like, then all of a sudden in 2014, I think it was at the, I think I was at the state fair. All of a sudden you're seeing people in Minnesota United gear. I was like, Holy yes. stuff, people are actually, and I don't, and I don't know that person. Like if I didn't saw someone in Minnesota United gear, it was like someone that I knew. Um, yeah. And then all of a sudden in 2014, it was like, I don't know who that person is. I've never seen that person in my life. And they're wearing. Yeah. Stuff, so. I mean, I mean, I, I still remember from like, I mean, seeing where it was and where it's gotten to already. It's, I mean, what, 12 yeah. years or whatever, 13 years. And it's incredible to see that a fan base. I mean, we would play Wednesday, Tuesday night games and it would be 300 people in the stands, no security yeah. officers. It was almost bring your own beer and liquor into the stadium and have a drink and watch some soccer players play. And then every year I felt like it got, bigger 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 better 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 and then when I left in 14 it was uh it was it was amazing to see constant 5,000 people in, a, in the seats so uh, I'm happy where it's gotten to kudos to everyone in the front office there for uh for driving through it yeah I'll just say we kept bringing our own beer and liquor into the stadium until we <laughs> to, to Nessie or until we got still, to do, still do sometimes I still bring my beer and liquor into the stadium sometimes so cold, cold um, days you got to bring your schnapps in right I hear you there uh all right so uh so once you left Minnesota you actually went up to uh you went up even further north for some godforsaken reason to FC Edmonton um why don't you tell us a little bit about uh playing up you played two years up in Edmonton you actually had probably Probably your best year as a keeper uh, in, in that one of those years. Uh, yeah, 16 was yeah. an incredible year for me. I had, a, I had a ridiculous back line that was amazing top to bottom. And, yeah, I mean, I got the Golden Glove, best 11, was a couple of votes shy of the MVP for the season. So, I mean, it was a, a really cool year up there. Um, I remember when I was doing – trying to find teams for 15, my wife was like, I'll go anywhere except Edmonton. <laughs> and so I called her back like one day while she was at lunch at school and I was like babe guess what Edmonton wants me and she's like really <laughs> so I dragged her even more north than I thought I could get, possibly get but I mean I loved Edmonton Edmonton's uh, will always hold a special place in my heart for um, the 15 and 16 years um, obviously my daughter was born there right before I left to go to Salt Lake in 17 so I mean um uh, I, I love the fan base there they're really supportive uh really close-knit and uh as as bad as a rap as Edmonton gets I'm a fan and I was there obviously during the uh during the McGregor stage so it was even more fun then <laughs> yeah we didn't want to face you when uh when you were there 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, there's nothing like facing somebody who's just left your team, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it was, I mean, it was, I remember one of those games, I think Jamie Watson had scored on me. Shit. After coming back from his ACL. Oh, that's the worst. On a pen. <laughs> and I was pissed. I thought it was a stupid pen, but. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, but it was also it was also cool to see like him coming back from injury and getting back into the field and the team and stuff. So I was happy for him that point, but not for the goal. Yeah. So, yeah. But I mean, it's always fun playing against your old teammates and things like that, because uh, that was really one of the first times that I've done it, uh, like a full squad where I knew coaching staff, most of the players I'd played against some point or another in the NASL days. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. MJ here. What, what was it difficult being the starting goalkeeper in the wake of the so beautiful he could be a part-time underwear model, Lance, Lance, underpants, Parker? <laughs> you want to talk about most successful goalkeepers in the world? Lance Parker has got to be one of them. I don't care about uh, um, whatever, Joe Hart, De Gea, any of those guys. Lance Parker has made a name for himself wearing Calvin Klein underwear. Um, and if I could pull my pants down and show you guys, I would go put on my Lance Parker underwears that he gave me when I was, God, I was still with Edmonton. Oh yeah. Let's see. We were playing Edmonton. Devin Deldo had scored like a last minute header to win four, three in Edmonton. And literally like three hours before the game, my wife tells me that we're pregnant with my, with our first um, and she's back there. I'm whatever in the room with Brian Coleman, uh, Viva's there and JD are all there. And then we go out and Devin pulls off that miraculous header and we went over to Lance and Neil Lavity's apartment afterwards and, uh, had a couple of drinks and I, I was feeling a little tipsy and I was like, Lance, I know you got some extra underwear laying around. Give me a pair or two. And so he floated me this pair of DK and Y who he was modeling at for at the time and a uh, little camo pair of underwear. And that was, <laughs> that was what, 2013? And I still have those suckers, and I still wear them today. Nice. So, That's great. Yeah, as much as Lance is a good-looking man, I'm way better looking. <laughs> I just have to keep my shirt on. You just don't have the agent he does, obviously. 100%. Yeah. Uh, great. So then, so obviously, then you, you actually did have a brief spell in, uh, in MLS. Um, I think MJ and Bill have a few questions. So MJ, why don't you take it off? Talk about your, your reuniting with former Minnesota Stars player Luke Mulholland. Did you give him a big hug when you saw him at Real Salt Lake? Or was it more like, oh, ass, you asshole again? No, no, not, not at all. I mean, it was open arms. It was welcome. Uh, we reminisced for like the first like 20 minutes we saw each other. Then it was on to work. But I mean... That entire year in 17, uh, Luke and I were close. He had just closed on a house very close to my apartment uh, where I was staying at. So I would go and see him quite a bunch at his house um, and things of that nature. But yeah, no, it wasn't like, oh, I don't want to be around this guy at all. But no, you wanted to be around Lukey because Lukey had, he was that guy with the personality. He could always tell the funny joke. He could get the group back together and point it in the right direction again, just, just with something funny he would say. Uh, on the pitch. So now nah, Lukey and I are good. I love Lukey. So my question was, you know, coming off 
you know, the big year at Edmonton and then you sign with, with RSL. What's that like knowing you're going to go in and, you know, Nick Romando's there and he's obviously one of the elite goalkeepers in the league. You know, how do you, how do you prepare yourself knowing, you know, you're probably going to be his backup and, oh. uh, and you know, what, what do you look for when you're going in just to, to a situation like that after, you know, you've been a, you've been a pro for a lot of years. Yeah. I mean, you say that I was a pro for a lot of years. I mean, that was going into my 10th year. Um, I think every player dreams and desires to be at the top level. And you hope when you get there, you can make an impact. You can hold your own. You can show that you've been a pro and you're, it's a great situation. You hope that I was hoping that, you know what, I know I'm going to get a couple of games every Mm -hmm. once in a while with Nick going into national team camps still regularly and I hope that I perform well and I can stay here. And uh, I had some great conversation with Daryl Shore, uh, the coach at Forward Madison, who I'm extreme, extremely pleased and happy to be, know. Um, and he's like another father figure for me in the goalkeeping world. And uh, he was like, look, Maddie, you're not going to play 40 games this season. I'll tell you that right now. Um, I believe that you know what your place is and what your job and role will be. And I think this in the long term will prolong your career um, significantly. And uh, coming from a guy with that background, uh, it made perfect sense to me. And um, obviously the head coach when I signed was Jeff Kassar, who was another goalkeeper. So I felt like, all right, I have two guys that have revolutionized the goalkeeping world in U.S. soccer and know a lot and I feel like this could be a really great situation for me and either bettering my understanding of the game and just straight up improving so I mean I, I know my stats in the MLS are abysmal um, yeah. it, it was a very tough year for me there and I paid I paid the consequences when it came to uh, having my option declined and you know what it led me to somewhere else and led me to somewhere else but my time with Nick Ramondo taught me so much. I bet. With understanding how to play with your feet and always wanting to make that aspect of my game better and better and better. And I still, I'm, I know I'm still not great at it, but you know what? I'm going to still continue to try and better myself in that aspect. And being around Daryl and even uh, Todd Hofford when he came in as the goalkeeper coach the second half of the season, like, I I had some great resources that I can still use today that I feel comfortable with. And I'm happy that I did it. It's, it's one of those things that you never want to look back on your career and say, I had the chance to do it. And I decided to stay the big fish in the small pond. I wanted to make the jump and you know what? I was a medium sized fish in the big ponds, but here I still am another few years, a couple years later, still playing. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you, yeah, that's the shot you have and you take what you get and, you keep going. Um, as a Minnesota fan, I got to ask what the locker room was like that day after uh, we had our first win against RSL, and and Nick <laughs> Nick had a big howler that day, and Christian scored uh, yeah that goal. Um, what was that like after that match? I mean, in our locker room, that was the let's see, that was the first game that Pecky had gotten a, our um, the head coaching role. Yep. Um, They had had just announced him, but he was still, uh, he was up in the press box watching and Daryl Shore, that was his last game, really head coaching the team as the interim. And uh, I mean, everyone was pissed. I mean, no one wanted to go into Minnesota and lose 
that first game. Uh, we felt like we had a really good game plan and all that type of stuff. And you saw, I mean, Minnesota came out and you know what? They, do I want to say they deserve the win? No, because I hate losing and I'm not going to say anyone deserves to sure. win. But, um, I mean, our locker was pretty pissed. So it was more of back to the drawing boards. Let's figure out what's going on for next week. And, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think, where were we staying at that game? I think, what, it was me, me, Ramondo, Beckerman, Chris Wingert, Aaron Mond. I think Chris Schuler might have been there too. A bunch of us just went out to a pub right around the street and stuff like that and had a beer and just like, I just tried to decompress from that moment and stuff, just saying like, all right, yeah, that one sucked. And uh, let's get on the plane and go home. Yeah, on to the next one. Yeah, on to the next one. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, going back to 17 and stuff like that, I mean, I think my, my fondest memory of that was all of us were down in, all of us were down in Casa Grande together. So for preseason, so... I'm rolling up. Obviously, I played with Brent Coleman and stuff like that. So, like, it was funny to see, like, Christian, uh, Ramirez, uh, JD, Viva, Brent, like, all those guys. Uh, and I'm there, too, with them on the same play, playing fields and things like that. So, that was, that was a real fun memory. And putting a thousand-piece puzzle together of balloons with Kevin and Justin were, uh, was pretty funny. Yeah. That, that's got to be pretty exciting to see all these people that you, you know, that you played yeah, with just a couple years early for, in your for many years. And we all made the jump at the same time, which was, uh, which was a cool thing. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So I don't have any questions about, about Oklahoma. You, do you have any <laughs> things about Oklahoma you want to throw in? 2018 is dead to me. <laughs> yeah. I, I know you uh, had the injury. Yeah, yeah. 2018 was a very was a very stressful year, all that type of stuff. So, no, it's, yeah. I mean, if, if anything, it taught me that, you know what, I can still come back from a, a crazy wild injury and uh, I can still come back and play at a very high level the following year, uh, which I did, I felt like, last year towards the second half of the season. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I made some great connections again in Oklahoma. Um, started whatever my LLC coaching business there. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I made a couple of really good friends there that I'm still playing against and I uh, hope they do well with, uh, with Pascarelli. So another Minnesota boy there. Yeah. So, so yeah. coming back from that injury, you know, coming back, you just, you know, do you have like a, a mindset you try and work through coming back that, you know, just keeping that positive mindset that like, you know, I'm going to come back as strong as ever. I'm going to come back, you know, how do you, how do you work through that as an athlete? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I've always been a fast recoverer, fast healer, that type of stuff. Like when the doctor tells me, ah, oh, this is going to be six to eight months. I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to do it in four. Um, I did that with my ACL in college. I did it with the hip. It told me six to eight before I started playing. I was fully cleared at four and a half, five months. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's always that crunch time as well, where if I'm injured going into a new season or something like that, well, I'm hanging them up or I potentially won't have a team the next year. So you just push, you think, all right, what's the goal? I want to be playing for another seven, seven to 22 years, whatever comes first. And uh, so you just get on with it. You don't let, you don't hold the grudge of how it happened, why no. it happened or anything like that. You just, you just go with it with a smile and you're just like, all right, I'm going to make, this is going to be 
MVO 3.0 right now. So exactly. a different, better version of what I was. Yeah. So then you come into a team and it's their first, it's their first season as a team. Um, you know, and, and, and you're a, you're, you're a veteran. Um, I'm sure they were looking, you know, to you for some leadership roles. So what was that like? I mean, Birmingham from the first minute I came in to do a medical test for Jay Heaps and Tommy Sowen. Um, I rode around the car with Tommy for a little while, talked with Jay. Um, and it almost seems like they were pitching me. And I was like, guys, look, I don't need to be pitched. I want to be here. Um, I, <laughs> let's, let's go. Um, and it was, I mean, it was almost like, it was love at first sight for me. Um, it was a new role where I was going to get to be the goalkeeper coach as well as the, the number one coming in. And uh, I didn't know what to expect. Obviously, I hadn't worked with Jay. I hadn't worked with Tommy or Kano Smith. Um, and they're like, all right, you have to do set piece videos. This is how you do it. This is what we expect. Um, you're in charge of the goalkeepers, your guys' loads, little thing like that. I'm in the coaches' meetings. Um, and they basically just, it was almost like, you know how to swim? Like the old, like, John Wayne movies. And you're like, go. Oh. And then they push you off a cliff into the river and you're like, all right, swim. And, uh, but it was fantastic. And I'm, I've loved every minute I've been here in Birmingham. Um, and I mean, I had, <laughs> I had a chat with Tommy today. We had a zoom call with Jay and like, and just hearing how they talk and how they, uh, they want to represent like themselves and the organization and club is uh, it hit home. It hits home to me. It's like, it's just like, it almost goes back to my Minnesota days where it's just very blue collar. Let's roll up our sleeves. Let's go to work. Nice. Nice. Um, and then uh, something I read about, and I have, I don't have a lot of clue what it even means is uh, I see the phrase donut defense. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? Well, you're, I mean, you guys probably don't even know it. You guys are talking to the donut King. Yeah. I, so. I see pictures of you with, Photoshop donuts on your hands and feet and yeah so I mean we, we got uh basically like our first and second shutouts and uh Kano Smith our assistant coach was like Matt where are the donuts and I looked at him like oh I have to buy the donuts every time we get a shutout and he was like yes or whatever or nominate <laughs> someone tell someone like you pay for the donuts and so it started coming up for donuts. And then we have this fantastic donut shop here uh, called Heavenly Donut Company. And uh, all of a sudden they would start like giving us the donuts or like giving us discounts on donuts with like little Legion stickers on the boxes. Nice. And so whatever, we started just doing little photos and I would do photos about donuts and whatever. And um, it was just one of those funny things that it just stuck. And uh, it was it was quite funny to see that like the fans get behind these donuts with the inflatables and and everything was about the donuts for sh the shutout streak that we had, which was the donut streak for me. Um, and uh, it was it was really cool to make that um, in an expansion year um, part of the culture. Yeah, good way to build community and and fantastic yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. So I I first kind of caught on to what you guys were doing last year at, at, you know, when playoffs started, I mean, it's kind of hard to watch multiple U S leagues, but, you know, I saw right at the end, you guys, you know, kind of made a surge and got, got to the playoffs, but then uh, you had, you know, a lot of games right in a row at the end of the season there and end up, you know, 
making the playoffs. We got, we got pumped by Pittsburgh. Yes, playing yeah. the first, playing the top ranked ranked team uh, after playing, you know, your third game in a week. Yeah, I mean, it's always tough. I mean, Pittsburgh had. Um, I mean, they were fantastic. They're flying all year long and they deserve the top spot in the league or in the Eastern conference. And uh, yeah, I mean, we played an absolute, I mean, I would call it an NASL game back in the day and stuff like that, where it was just, it was two teams that just went after each other. I mean, hard tackles, full go 90 minutes. And uh, yeah, thankfully JJ Williams scored a banger in the, in the closing minutes and stuff like that to put us through. And then it was straight, all right, well, we're going to Pittsburgh right now. And then fly to Pittsburgh, try and regen after the travel day and all that stuff. And uh, you could see that from the, from the first minute, like it was just, it wasn't our day. And yeah. uh, kudos, to, kudos to Pitt on their year last year. So, I mean, now, now we stole their best striker. So I'm buzzing about that piece. <laughs> I don't know about them anymore. Uh, how was it playing with uh, Loon's legend Femi Hollinger Jansen? <laughs> Femi, <laughs> Femi's a guy. I mean, he was on the he was on the Minnesota United for like all of I think like forty eight hours maybe. Forty eight so, hours. Yeah, he was traded for Bobby Shuttleworth, I believe. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's quite funny. Yeah, so I took him in the expansion draft in in twenty seventeen. So that's why. Yeah. It was supposed uh, to be a trade for uh, Teal Bumbery. Yeah, it was supposed and, to be Teal Bumbery, but yeah. And uh, Rev said no, and that he turned into Bobby Shuttleworth. But yeah, I mean, they didn't even have a jersey. <laughs> I did not know that. But no, Femi, yeah, I mean, if you guys know anything about Femi, Femi's a good guy. So, um, yeah, I wish him well in his upcoming ventures and all that type of stuff. Um, especially, God, did he get married or recently got married? Yeah. Cool. I think last month or a couple months ago, so. Nice. I just want to ask, like, because, you know, it's, you know, he was, he was a loon for, like you said, like, like, like two days, basically. So, <laughs> loon's legend. Um, I guess my, my, sort of, my other question is, so now you, obviously, you're, you're, you were pitched this, like, Birmingham as also being the goalkeeping coach. So, clearly, you're, you're sort of moving into goalkeeping, or to coaching. Um, who, like, whom of your coaches that you, you know, um, passed and, and be current coaches, like, do you sort of try to emulate? I know goalkeeping coaching is probably slightly different than managing a full team or, or, or whatever, but is there any, what kind of traits do you pick? Um, we, when we talked to uh, Kentaro Takata a couple weeks ago, he obviously learned a lot from uh, Manny and, and Carl and all those guys. Um, who, who, who do you try to emulate or what are the styles that you picked up that you, that you're trying to, to emulate? I mean, I'll go off of what Taka said is, you try to emulate people that you want to, but you also, you don't forget the people that you don't want to. Um, there's, I've had a couple of coaches that I'm like, you know what? I didn't like the way they did this, 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 and this, and I'm not going to do that. So it might not be so much as emulating one coach, but it's going in the opposite direction of a coach that showed you something that you didn't like. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I've had a couple of those and I mean, <clears throat> going back, like, even looking at like me and Manny, I think, I don't, I don't think Manny ever had anyone butt heads with him as much as I did. Maybe he did, but I felt like him and I butted heads a lot. But one thing that I'll always remember from Manny is that I still emulate now is passion. 
as silly as some of the things that he would do. And I would think they were just absolutely out, out of this world. I knew one thing that he was passionate about the game and he cared about it. Um, so I'll always keep that with me. Um, Carl Craig um, tactics and just the psychological piece behind everything. Um, knowing how your players are feeling, how we're, how we're doing in certain situations and stuff. And just talking to them that way, I think are massive. Um, like I said, like I talk to Nick Platter very regularly. I'll bounce drills off of him. We'll touch base about different goalkeepers, uh, things of that nature. And I mean, more so than not, it's, it's talking to my goalkeepers. Uh, I've got a great uh, goalkeeper here, Trevor Spangenberg, who played in Puerto Rico. He played in Richmond. He was with Chivas in New England for a little while. So, I mean, it, it's learning things that he's done. And I think you're always growing as a coach and it's how uh, you take things. I mean, I want to call this almost robbers that you steal from somebody, steal an idea from somebody and go with it. So um, I guess one other guy that I'll, or two other guys that I'll always try and emulate would be, uh, uh, would be Daryl Shore. And then the last one would be uh, John Bush. So um, just somebody that I've always looked up to, um, fortunate enough to play against him in his very later years of playing in Indianapolis and uh, just watching what he does and how he uh, carries himself uh, either on videos or doing drills and training sessions always, uh, always makes me smile. Hey, that John Bush can wear a baseball cap. <laughs> yes, he can. Yeah. I loved and, watching him when we played against him. Yeah. And full three-quarter pants. Yes, yeah. right. <laughs> Forget about those two. Yeah. <laughs> so how are you doing, uh, you know, with your, with, your, with your keepers during the shutdown? How are you, you know, is it tough keeping them motivated, keeping them training? Nah, it's easy because they wanted because we picked them like they're they're little they're mini me's almost. Yeah, are they um, younger guys or? Well, Tre Trevor just turned twenty nine, so I mean this is his I think we said ninth year, eighth year pro. So I mean he he doesn't need the internal motivation or the external side and stuff like that. He's he wants to just go and play. Um, and then my young rookie that we picked out of. Um, uh uci irvine where and miguel ibarra used to go to school as well um he's he, he fits right into our mold he wants to train he wants to be out there with us and uh we practice safe social distancing rules and i clean my balls all the time so. <laughs> all we can ask very there good go. very good uh i think he's got a few more sort of random questions and then uh and then we'll let you go we really appreciate the time so Definitely. you want to you want to take it away your career has taken you all over the united states and uh, that stint in canada uh you grew up in virginia went to college in jersey uh played in you know four four other states now and i see you know you you think about you know virginia culture jersey culture um utah oklahoma minnesota these are these are different I mean, not just team cultures here. I'm talking about like geographically and the way you do things, the way you talk. Uh, do you or uh, your family members, do you have any fun stories about you, your wife, Jennifer, or your kids having to adapt, maybe say the wrong thing, do, do the wrong thing, or just kind of this aha moment of like, oh, that's how they do things here. <laughs> we've, we've got lots of those motions. Uh, <laughs> So, I mean, the biggest thing for me is uh, I, I've been pretty adaptable because uh, my dad was Navy growing up. So I moved quite a bit uh, in my younger years. So I was always finding a new group of friends, but it was always through soccer. It was always through sports. 
So it was like, no matter where I went, it was always, all right, well, I've got 30 new family members right off the bat where I didn't have to really find friends. And I don't have friends really outside of soccer. Um, here and there, a couple, but not too much. Um, my wife, on the other hand, has always had to find, uh, get into the WAGs, the wives and girlfriends clubs and that type of stuff. Or uh, she started, or she was a part of the Hike It Baby movements uh, in Utah, which she made a lot of long lasting friends. Uh, but I think our favorite and most funny haha moment recently was uh, she went back to teaching here in Alabama and she started, uh, she taught at Burnsville High School for 14 years and she's from North Dakota. So she has that little bit of that Minnesota accent when she says, when I say bag, it's big and it's not, it's not a roof, it's a roof. And uh and she was saying, hey, put these in your bags. And the entire class just started going off on her. Like, what are you saying? And what, what are, and it was basically her Minnesota accent had come out during her teaching. I don't know if it was just subconscious or whatever. And uh, that, was one of our fun, that was one of our funny moments recently. Is there anything in that sort of vast landscape that you can maybe knit together from these different patches of the country that you can say, where you kind of have an understanding of this is what it means to be American or this is, you know, no matter where I go, like, this is what I see. <laughs> um, let's see. You guys probably can't see that, but that beautiful silver Dodge Durango right there in the background. <laughs> there you go. That was, that was my truck that I bought in Minnesota after my rookie year. So you guys wow. can imagine the amount of miles and things of that nature. So um, hopefully that'll stay with me the entirety of my career. Um, that, to, that right there is one of my landmarks, my pieces and stuff. No matter what I'm doing and stuff, uh, I keep thinking about my truck and where I got it and how I got it, things of that nature. And I'll always go back to when you're in America, you're American. When you're in Canada, you're Canadian, and you dive, you, you get into the culture that is here. When I was in Oklahoma, you are an OU fan or you are an Oklahoma State fan. When you're in Utah, you are Utah or Utah State or BYU. When you're right. in Edmonton, you're an Eskimos fan. You're an Oilers <laughs> fan. You are FC Edmonton. You are those teams, period. Not other provinces, that's it. Um, Alabama, you're Auburn or you're Alabama no mixing it up that way and uh so i mean you're always going to be adapting to the culture and stuff like that and wherever i've gone it's people are patriotic to their areas and whatever that area is and i think that's been the most fun for me because i'm a very patriotic guy you can ask kevin friedland nick platt or all those guys from that rookie year that we had a 10-day off period or something like that and i decided i'm gonna go get a huge american bald eagle tattooed on my back <laughs> and uh they're like gosh you big american you and <laughs> most of my foreigners playing with albert watson daryl fordice a lot of my whatever english guys and stuff like that it, it always comes back to me you goddamn american something along those lines and stuff like that and i never took offense to it i was like i was always like yes they know that i'm american I'm patriotic and you know what here is the same thing so I'll always I'll always be a patriotic guy and I'll always end, uh, end up flocking with those patriotic guys 
Cool. So uh, you are, so you, obviously you're coaching right now. Where do you, where do you see, like, obviously you're going to play for 22 more years, <laughs> obviously. Um, do you want, do you want to be a head coach? I mean, obviously Daryl Shores now at Madison and, and Neil Vladdy's there as well. And, and is that, is that something you dream of or do you see yourself being more specialized in, like, as a goalkeeping coach? No, I, I, I enjoy like the more that I'm around Tommy and our coaching staff here, the more that I'm getting into what it takes to be a head coach, what it takes to be a great assistant coach, things of that nature. And I think that I have the personality for it. I think I have the experience for it. Well, not the licenses for it yet, but we're working on that. Hmm. But the experiences and stuff like that about how to relate to players and be more of that player, player coach. Um, and the coaches will understand, or the players will understand, like, look, Matty's been there. He understands the game, things of that nature. So I definitely want to be a head coach. But, I mean, I know it's going to be a long road to get to that point. And uh, I'm enjoying the goalkeeping aspect now, building relationships this way. And, uh, I mean, it's that way. Or, I mean, Nick Platter, I think, is a great, the other great example. And his road and model um, that I like a lot is uh, he went from goalkeeper coach to – uh, assistant GM in North Carolina, basically a team admin and doing the front office side instead of the head coaching side. And um, I, that's exciting to me as well, getting into, I think, more of our marketing department, getting into sales and things of that nature. Um, and you know what? It's, it's down the road. It's down the line. Um, your, paths will always <laughs> your path will always change and go which way or whatever. And uh, I'll roll with it. So, but yeah, those are two things. But I definitely wanted to stay in professional soccer as long as I possibly can. I mean, there's another goalkeeper who's also a uh, GM, uh, one Tim Tim Timothy Howard. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's as he's, well. He's yeah. If I can get to that point where I am part owner, <laughs> um, ambassador for an English Premier League team. Is he the goalkeeper coach as well now? I don't know if he is. He might just be. Yeah, he might not be. He's the starting goalkeeper and, and starting goalkeeper. Then, then you know what? I must have done something really right with my career and yeah. still be forty-two. So yeah. that puts me right in my timeline. So I've got to go win the mega mega millions a couple of times, and hopefully I'll be there. There you go. Uh, all right, well, Matt, this has been fantastic. I, I really appreciate you uh, spending an hour with us and. Uh, Best of luck. Uh, hopefully, you know, stay safe and, and sane during this COVID, and um, hopefully, USL season gets up and running again. Are you are you the the main goalkeeper still, or are you got, are you kind of just trading off with those I guys? Hope to, I hope to be the main goalkeeper <laughs> for another thirty years. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. Well, uh, well, cheers, and thank you so much again for for doing this. We really really appreciate it. Yeah. Right, thanks, guys, for having me on. Th thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. You want me to be that type of dude And I want to be who you like me to But we both know I can't do nothing at all oh, yeah. Okay, and we're back. That was a, a hell of an interview with uh, with uh, one Mr. Matt Van Oakle. Um Stars. I don't want to say Loons legend, but Stars legend. Well, they did have a couple of good years with uh, Minnesota United and the Loons. So uh, I want to thank him for doing that. And uh, and we are uh, we're back. So we're going to talk about. There's been a, a shit ton of uh, of news about soccer coming back, um, both internationally and here at home. Um, MJ is like trying to threaten us with his with a knife in the Zoom chat. 
No, you okay. can't actually touch us. With the Are you shaving? I, I do, do not have a fidget spinner on me right now, so just let, let me do this. All right. Uh... Uh, I guess the first thing though is how are you guys doing? I guess we haven't we haven't uh, haven't, haven't chatted in a week. I'm great. I uh, you know my back continues to heal. I continue to be able to walk further and further. I'm up to eight steps. I'm uh, I, you know <laughs> no, I actually walked uh, about a mile the other day, and hey. so I, nice. I'm I'm getting there. So it's uh you know, it won't be long. I'll be back to normal. Right on. My niece and I have been doing this kind of workout challenge as I've talked about. Uh, she is 14, so she's doing a much more insane workout than I am, but we've been kind of accountability partners. And so I'm going to send her some guitar books, um, as, as, as kind of, that was kind of my deal, end of the deal. And she sent me some, uh, oatmeal cranberry cookies, half of which are now gone, but, but, uh, that was kind of my, my end of the, her end of the deal, my end of the deal. So doesn't. Don't the, don't the cookies like defeat the purpose of? The, yeah, I know it's, it's kind of like weird, right? Like, I, I I'm I'm working out, but then I need more calories because I'm working out, right? I get to have more calories. That's that's the rules. No, that is true. Okay. <laughs> that's, going? that's so much. Yeah, not bad, not bad. Making it through. It's supposed to get nice again this week. I don't know. I'm uh like I'm good for cold. I'm good for cold weather usually. For some reason, the last week like the gray and dreary and like the 44 and drizzle it just kicked my ass i got to like thursday like that's i was like i don't want to do this anymore <laughs> who do i complain to about this god you complain to god yeah so i did the full job thing um uh, which is uh yeah i i rent my clothes and covered myself in ashes and yelled at god that's cool uh yeah, I don't know. I, so it was, it was uh, this weekend was kind of intense. Um, <clears throat> so Anna's birthday was this past weekend on Saturday. Uh, and then it was also Mother's Day weekend. Um, so and you Anna's forgot both? It's always very close to Mother's Day weekend. So she's very, she's also very bitter about that. Or <laughs> she's not a big fan of her birthday. And because it will, ha- like, it will fall on Mother's Day, like once every four or five years or something like that, based on leap years and stuff like that. So uh she's not very keen on her birthday uh following following on mother's day um so yeah so it was basically a big a very big anna weekend we did a a lot of anna-centric things uh she cooked a very a great british bake-off dinner with a a princess torta uh as the cake which was delicious um i bought whiskey and did all the dishes that was my contribution to the dinner um but yeah otherwise it's a good good weekend. So, what whiskey did you buy? Uh, bullet rye. I'm a I'm a bullet rye fan, honestly. And the rye rye go is what uh, we use for our uh, wedding cocktail. Happy so. birthday! My Thanks. <laughs> was, Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> that was Anna's first appearance on the podcast. <laughs> I think. Assuming you caught her in there. Uh, so if you in, if you enjoyed this bullshit uh, that we are doing, um, please uh, join us on our Patreon, patreon.com backslash the Dave's I know. Uh, we have beer. Eventually, we're going to come back with some more beer and uh, some stuff. Um, let's talk about some stuff that's going on in European soccer right now. Uh, and then we have actually some news uh, at, at, at home as well. So um, biggest thing 
that <clears throat> from the international uh, response, and this I'm not sure exactly if if uh, MLS will take this up, is that there's been a a new uh, five substitution rule that it's now official um, that IFAB <clears throat> came up with. Um, however, it needs to be agreed on by the league and or the competition. So, uh, you know, the biggest thing is that um, it has to end, the competition has to end by December uh, 31st of 2020. Um, so it can't extend into the, into the new year. Uh, and then it needs to be agreed on by the league. So for example, MLS could say we're going to allow five subs for matches um, in three substitution slots. That's the other big thing that I think we've talked about a couple of times. Um, however, U.S. Open Cup could say we're not going to do that. They're only going to allow three subs. So it's like you could have some um, domestic competitions that are doing it with the league, but not with the with the cup. So or you know things that have still haven't been uh, finalized. So that's kind of the big the big thing coming out of the international. Do you guys have any uh, lingering thoughts or concluding thoughts on that? That now that it's officially official. Yeah, I've heard uh, I've heard some of the 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 players reps who are still, you know, kind of complaining that they're worried about injuries. Um, and, you know, I don't know what they want, you know, do they want line shifts like in hockey? So, you know, I, I'm not really sure what they want. Like, you know, they, haven't, where they can like sub off. Yeah, the entire yeah, they, they haven't voiced anything, you know, so I, you know, I don't know really what their complaint is. Yeah. I think it's just an, in an unclear link between the ability to sub guys in and out and injury. I, I think it's a totally valid concern to say, Hey, we're just not sure how players bodies are going to react to this. I think the sub rule is good. I still think we're going to see a crap ton of injuries. Uh, but I, I feel like everyone here is, is dealing bad hands and trying to make the best of a bad situation. So honestly, I'll be surprised if the leagues that do try to finish and try to finish in a timely fashion don't, take up this rule i will also be really surprised i suspect some leagues won't so we really will get an, an a b test i'll be really surprised if there's a massive difference in uh injury pattern between the two to be to be perfectly honest yeah <clears throat> uh so that kind of leads us into the the premier league um the so uk was given the go-ahead for sports to start taking place with uh with restrictions obviously after uh, June 1st. So June 1st is the date when you know stuff can happen. Again, uh, the UK was is I think gunning for June 12th as their uh, restart date. Um, the problem now is that so there was a big meeting today with uh, the 20 EPL teams. Half the teams are kind of opposed to neutral venues. Um, you know, for various reasons. Some being you know the the, the bottom six teams, the teams that are sort of trying to stave off relegation, want to keep their home matches for, for reasons that are, you know, obvious. I think they, they like playing at home. Um, and they, but they've, they've sort of been counter offering, well, if you take re relegation off the table, we'll play at these neutral venues. Um, they're kind of the big things that came away from this meeting was that uh, number one, that they talked about um, uh, declaring the season null and void. They took that off the table they also took um, a no relegation stance off the table. Um, they definitely have, you know, so this is the first time that the UK is actually, or that the EPL um, has uh, officially talked about, like potentially avoiding the season. Everything before this has always been, we're playing it, we're playing it. But this is really a sort of a definitive statement that it's either going to, they're either going to play the matches and finish the season out 
um, or they're going to determine the table by basically by points per game, um, which does not bode well for those teams sitting at the bottom of the league. Um, and wrecks a ton of havoc with the, the, the uh, European places. Um, the, the problem with all this, obviously, is that they still haven't spoken with the players about the plan. And there's obviously been, um, we've heard over the course of the last couple of weeks, there's a bunch of players who are still not necessarily um, down with playing uh, amidst all this stuff, especially if there's any sort of uh, quarantining happening. Um, and then the biggest other thing that sort of the dangling thread before the Premier League can talk to the players and the managers is the contract. So if you're not familiar with uh, the way that most of the world works, contracts run out on June 30th. Um, the, your seasons are generally done you know, sometime in, in mid-June at the latest. Um, so June 30th is the last day of the contract. You, you, when you go to a new team, your contract generally starts on July 1st or thereabouts. Um, and so the, there's lots of players. There's you know, hundreds of players in, in Europe um, that are on contracts that end on June 30th or they're on loans that end on June 30th. They have not really discussed loan agreements and what that would mean between loans between clubs in the, the English system um, or loans with other leagues, um, whether those players can be called back or whether their, their loans can be extended, especially with options to buy. Um, but basically uh, the Premier League has said, if you have a, a contract that ends at this season, it can be extended until the season's over as long as there's mutual agreement by June 23rd. So basically by June 23rd, the player and the team will have to agree, we're going to extend this contract until the season's over and, and either, or sign a, a new contract. But basically those are kind of the options. So, um, which that's a, that's a definitive thing. Players definitely wanted to have sorted out, I think before they even had conversations. So um, yeah, those are the, the big takeaways um, from the Premier League. It sounds like after after today's yeah. discussion, the neutral site was off the table. That all yeah. the teams agree yeah. that they're not going to mess around with that. So home games will be played for better or worse. And I honestly don't know which of those two it is. It's not. It's not determined officially. I mean, there's there's basically. I mean, it came out that there are ten teams who are generally opposed to the the neutral site plan. Um, but that's who the hell knows. Like if they're given a. Uh, ultimatum whether they'll side with the neutral site plan or not i mean ideally i think a lot of player a lot of teams are looking at what's going to be happening in in, in germany the next couple of weeks and i think that is really going to determine whether or not like they can do this uh playing at you know home stadiums for home teams so yeah the other big uh uh premier league thing that i read today on the bbc news site was that TV clauses had it so that they could have to repay up while well, starting at 340 million pounds of TV revenue, even if they do play to different markets around the world. And, and if they don't play, it could just get astronomical. Um, and, and that was similar to what, what's going on in Germany where, you know, they're kind of forced to have to play. Um, otherwise, not playing, they have to return so much money, and uh, and teams would just go utterly bankrupt. Yeah, and that is a uh, it, it definitely um, that's part of the reason why they do, they definitely do not want relegation off the table because the stakes right now 
for the Premier League. Liverpool's going to win the league. It's just a matter of, of, of when, not if. Um, so the biggest stakes, you know, in, in the EPL right now are probably relegation, as well as obviously some European stuff, you know, the four, five, six slot of, of uh, the English Premier League, depending on what happens with Manchester City, um, is obviously up, up for grabs. But um, Dan, you definitely, you said the, the thing, pointed out that they're all against neutral venues now. I, that was not something I'd heard until very recently. So um, yeah, cool. Yeah. So as we're going to Bundesliga, yeah. I mean, Thank the you. one financial thing was 13 of the 36 teams, if they didn't play, were looking at financial uh, shortfalls and possibly bankruptcy, uh, which is huge. Uh, you know, 36 teams, which is be both Bundesliga one and two. And, uh, and like three of the teams would have been Bundesliga one teams. Um, and then, uh, and so the TV money, now that they've decided to play, they're now getting the money for that, that fourth payment. They were spaced out four payments over the year. And now they're going to get that fourth payment for the year in Bundesliga. And, uh, and so that the teams will be a little more, you know, you know, revenue safe. But uh, the big thing that that's happening in, in Bundesliga is they have this rule called the 50 plus one rule. And uh, what it means is that, that a club must hold 50% plus one of the shares of a, of the club, which, you know, which means that nobody can come in and just take over a team. You know, if I was, you know, bill million bucks, I couldn't just decide, Oh, I want to go buy Leverkusen and I'm going to go. If you were the other Bill McGuire. Yeah. Uh, you'd have to be, you know, you'd have to be 20 of that Bill McGuire to go take over a team that size. But um, unless you are an energy drink company from Austria. Yes. And I'll explain them if, if you want, um, but they uh, and how they were able to do that because they did get around the rules. Um, but it would keep it, that rule keeps uh, companies from being able to come in and, you know, keeps, you know, Saudi oil people or American businessmen from coming in and buying out a team. The way uh, Leipzig was able to do it was they took a fifth division team, came in and bought them and they issued a very low number of stock. And, they were able to to give those stock to the people that they wanted to at that level because there was such a low amount, and only and they have control over who they'll give stock to now as they rise up the league. So they always control who has the fifty plus one uh, number of stock. So they've been able to control it from the very bottom fifth division all the way up to and in you know it was it took them 10 years and they were at the top of the table of first division, you know, or second to the top of the table. And uh, so, you know, they completely exploited the rules is, and that's why people hate Leipzig. Leipzig. Leipzig, whatever. We're Americans. We can pronounce it how we want. Um, but on to this week in Bundesliga. Yeah. So burying the lead uh, here, Bundesliga is back, baby. Yeah. We get, to, we, we get to watch football. We get to watch football. Redhead uh, on uh, Bundesliga pregames. Yes. Don't watch that. And just tune in at eight thirty Central Time. Are you talking about Sergeant? Eight thirty a.m. Yeah, that, I'm talking about Sergeant. 
Yeah, Josh, Josh Sargent, notable antagonist of U.S. soccer. Yes, yes. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that that is a uh, this is the big news. Um, yeah, Borussia Dortmund and uh, FC Schalke, the Reverie Derby, uh, yep. is kicking off uh, on Saturday morning at eight thirty uh, Central Time. First uh, thing. Yeah, first thing. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, MJ. No, no, that's all. The, these two teams don't like each other. No, they do not. They, they uh, Stalka and, and Dortmund do not like each other. They're yeah. very close proximity. They're, they're in the same metro area. It'd be like it'd be kind of like a St. Paul team and a Minneapolis team, both being in the same sports league. Yeah, and, and playing each other, and then bringing out the worst of, you know, we have a chip on our shoulder because we're the capital, but no one talks about us, and you know. Uh, we're the big city, but you know we're not on anybody's map because we're not the capital. I don't like whatever Twin Cityans need to like have their hill that they die on, and and cause division over. You know that would bring out the worst in all of us. Yep. All of a sudden, David and I couldn't be friends. Oh yes. Also, uh, Fortuna Düsseldorf and uh, SC Paderborn, uh, a, uh, a relegation battle uh, is also happening. Um, it's a, and then Hertha Berlin uh, is also playing at uh, these are all these are all at eight thirty on Saturday morning and Hertha Berlin is a, a goddamn shit show. Uh, uh, just the worst. Shows. And yet Hertha still better than Paderborn. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. they went to the depths of trying to hire Klinsman. So no, they yeah. not only tried they they hired him. They, they, they did, him. and he then he and six weeks. And, and then they left. found out he didn't have his license. <laughs> the coach. He left and, and oh god. Yeah. So the other the other match that I would recommend watching on Saturday is uh the uh was it the eleven thirty match? Yeah, Frankfurt and Munchen Gladbach. Yeah, that that that's a decent match. Uh, Gladbach is in fourth place. And uh Frankfurt is mid table, but you know, they're not a bad team. Yeah. They're not they're not awful. Most of these games that we're talking about are going to be on either FS1 or FS2. So yeah. um, uh, Fox Sports has the rights to Bundesliga this year. They go to, uh, I think, ESPN Plus next year. So, um, And then Sunday, uh, FC Köln uh, and uh, FC uh, FSC Mainz uh, play at 8.30. Um, Union Berlin, which is an awesome club. And uh, face the league leaders in Bayern Munich. Uh, Munchen. What's that? The Munchen. Yes. Munchen. Uh, at 11. And then uh, Monday uh, at uh, 2.30, I believe it's Werder Bremen and uh, Bayer Leverkusen. Um, yeah. Like, these are, like, there's going to be a shit ton of soccer uh, on Fox Sports 1 and Fox Sports 2 this weekend. So um, soccer's back, baby. Hell yeah. Do you guys have Bundesliga teams you follow? I do. I, I do. I, so I follow – I'm a, I'm a Dortmund fan. Um, I was a Dortmund fan sort of like during the time when Jurgen Klopp was there because a, a, a really good buddy of mine is a Dortmund fan, and I really was like, yeah, I, I want to find a German team to like, and I like having a team to watch with somebody else. And he's like, Dortmund, Jurgen Klopp's like the best coach ever. I was like, okay, cool. And then he happened to like become Liverpool's coach, which is even better. Yeah. So I do like Dortmund. Um, I like Union Berlin, and I'm, uh, me and Bill watch SC St. Pauli matches at the Black Heart. 
or we used to watch FC St. Pauli matches at the Black. Oh, we will on. We will someday soon. Someday soon. Uh, so yeah. So my Bundesliga two team. I think Bill will maybe talk maybe a little bit more about Bundesliga two. I have a I have a thing about Bundesliga two in a second. Um, FC St. Pauli is uh, a super awesome club to support in uh, the Bundesliga, and you can watch all their all their matches on Fox Soccer Match Pass, I believe, right? Yeah, the worst streaming package there is. <laughs> it costs like thirty bucks a month, but it's forty five bucks a month. Thirty five bucks a month. But you can watch all the Bundesliga two action you ever want to hear. How many how many uh, email addresses can you come up with to get the seven day free trial? Is all I can say. Oh, there's a, there's a good idea because I have several. Uh, MJ, do you have a Bundesliga team? So I recently switched uh, Bundesliga uh, alliances. I was a Schalke fan for many years. Uh, prior to. Weston McKinney, uh, there was a goalkeeper by the name of Manuel Neuer uh, who used to make better teams look, look horrible for, for Schalke. And then some, some other team named Bayern München decided to, to, to buy Manuel Neuer. Mm. And, and so I was kind of left without a Bundesliga team until a friend that I play soccer and, and broomball with uh, named Conrad, who's from uh, East Berlin, introduced me to uh, uh, Union, Union Berlin. And the more and more I read about them, especially how they had to survive both, both uh, kind of the capitalism and their players being stolen by better money from the West German teams or the West Berlin teams like, like Hertha, and surviving just tons of uh, oppression and stealing their best players from East German teams that were sponsored by uh, the uh, corrupt government in, in East Berlin. Um, there were ones uh, that were basically secret police based teams where, you know, you know, all sorts of, of tricks and uh, dirty tricks were, were pulled on making that team the favorite in East Berlin. So uh, yeah, Union Berlin is 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 my team. Nice. You know, I growing up in in the seventies, you know, you got what you could see, um, and uh, all I could really they would they would show uh, they show Bayern Munich games, and they would show, and occasionally you would see St. Pauli games. Um, yeah. And so those were the teams I kind of latched on to from back then. And uh, I still, you know, I get, I don't really love Byron anymore just because, you know, you get sick of winning, you know. <laughs> uh, it's like cheering for the Yankees, you know. They, it just, it rubs you the wrong way watching them because it just, you know. It's the one complaint I have about Bundesliga is, you know, this is, if they win this year, it'll be six years in a row. And uh, it's the one thing about Bundesliga is the parody. Seven Seven years. years? All right. So, you know. The last one was was Dortmund. Yeah. I like watching Gladbach as a great team to watch. I like seeing. uh, Dan, are you looking for a Bundesliga team? Is Is that what I'm understanding here? No, so I mostly was just curious. I mean, we've we've talked around Bundesliga quite a bit, but you know, I think we'll all be pretty invested in it. 
Yeah. Uh, actually, just like Bill, I used to I used to be a Bayern fan. Um, they notably kicked Arsenal's ass several times. Yeah. Um, in just egregious fashion. So I was like, you know what? Like, I don't have a Bundesliga team. I'll watch Bayern. I think I can really enjoy this. And I just, I don't know if it's a style of play thing. I don't know if it's an arrogance thing. I seriously, I, I didn't enjoy watching them win. And like, if you're going to cheer for a team, you should probably like watching them win. So uh, I'm also a Dortmund fan. Um, Dortmund's fun. They're really young. They're always, always really young. Really young. Always really young. Uh, Super frustrating that they sell their best players, but that's, yeah. like, that's their model. But I, I've been an Obama Yang fan long before he was with Arsenal. Yeah. Um, they locked up Gio Reyna, at least for a few years, until they yeah. got somewhere else. They did, but they'll sell, they'll sell Jaden Sancho this summer. Yeah, they will. Who knows what they'll do with uh, the Norwegian wonder kid. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll, just, I'll throw out a uh, just a – so this is a Dave's I Know special. Um, in Around this time in 2017, Luke Craig wrote a really awesome piece on our website about uh, FC Köln and their uh, mascot, which is an actual live goat. <laughs> yeah, I remember that article. And it's fucking amazing. And FC Köln, it, like, they also had, like, a, three people just uh, test positive for COVID. So who, I mean, it's, theoretically, they're playing this weekend. Um, we'll talk about that in a hot second. Uh, so I would I would throw a shout out to SD Cohn. Become a Cohn fan. They're they're mid table. I think they're like ninth or tenth right now in the in the Bundesliga table. So they're I think they're safe from relegation. Um, Cologne's an interesting uh, interesting German city. Um, yeah. I'll say history as you know, obviously it's Europe. So uh, cool. Um, yeah, Cologne's yeah, it's a good city. They're tenth. Yeah, um, they might they might not do well this weekend. The whole city is in mourning because because the guy from Kraftwerk died this last week. So we'll see how they do. Well, yeah, I forgot about that. Lauren Snyder died. Um, yeah, it's, it's 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 an interesting time. Yeah. Um, okay, so, so two those like Bundesliga two is also kicking off this weekend, uh, and yeah, St. Pauli team that Bill and I both support. Um, uh, Dynamo Dresden uh, had yeah. two players that tested positive for for uh, Corona. How many? Two, two players. Two, and a and a staff member. They quarantined everybody, the 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 players, the staff, for two weeks. Um, Cheerleaders. Uh, everybody, uh, yes, and they're uh, um, so they're not playing their match against Hanover. Um, they were supposed to travel to Hanover for for a match on uh saturday morning uh, or saturday afternoon germany time saturday morning our time um and they're gonna be they're actually gonna miss their first two weeks of uh, of play um dynamo dresden conveniently in 18th place in bundesliga 2 um just so it's kind of convenient that they're not playing matches for two weeks and yet they may be safe from relegation yeah so I think they should make an exception just for them. Yeah, it's a fucked up situation. So yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I mean it's it's tough. I mean, because the you know the the how do how do you how do you control where you know twenty two year old millionaires are going to go you know at night? It's just uh, you know twenty two year olds are hard enough to keep home, but you know it's it's just uh, it's like herding cats. It's like hurting tomcats. Like, it's, yeah. 
It's like herding horny cats. Yes, feral cats. I, it's, you know, I, I think this, they won't be the first. They won't, you know, they won't be the last team. I just saw, you know, La Liga wants to start. Um, what was I wrote it down on here? They they want to start here in a few weeks. Oh, yeah, June twelfth. Yeah. June twelfth, and they are, and then they announced it, and then like an hour later, they had like three players test positive. And it was like great, yeah. you know. So you know, it's it's going to be every league, and and yet they got to keep going forward because it's all money. That's true, and I feel like the big roadblock here is going to be the players. Like, it's all. I mean, it's all, I don't want to say it's all fun and games when three Dinamo Dresden players test positive because it's very serious to them. Yeah. But, you know, imagine instead of Dinamo Dresden, those were SC Cone or bring it to Europe or bring it to England and they're West Ham players. And, and like yeah. how... Or Bayern how Munich. Right, exactly. And one thing we talked about on the text is with... Uh, I mean, the fact, like, it's theoretically possible and not really out of the realm of possibility that you may get a team where all three of their goalkeepers test positive. <laughs> and now all of a sudden you're playing a very important match and they've got, you know, Alfonso Davies in that. I have no idea who Byron's first choice outfield player, the playkeeper is. Davies is lanky, though. It might be him. Uh, <laughs> by the way, Dave just easily herded his cat. That's, I mean, mine's sleeping on my legs right now. So. <laughs> If we're if we're playing cat rank. Oh, I, one more Bundesliga thing is I I read an interview with Weston McKinney the other day that his workout regimen is he's been getting up at one p.m., uh, drinking coffee, uh, watching Netflix for a few hours, playing video games for a few hours, uh, and then just sitting on his phone and talking to people on on Zoom, and then he starts working out at about midnight or one a.m. and then he. And then he goes to bed at five in the morning. That's his workout. I mean, Sounds like the most productive period of my life. I was yeah. on the same schedule. How <laughs> awesome is that? Oh, it's yeah, amazing. That's, sounds like a great schedule. Yeah, that that was my life at, at college, man. Like I would, yeah. Yeah, I would yeah. When I was that age, that's how I lived. And then uh I hit the treadmill and uh fucking work out till five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, the only difference was we didn't work out like him, and we didn't have the paycheck he does. <laughs> <laughs> you also have probably much better access to blow than I did. So Yeah. You know. We drank wow. a hell of a lot more than he does, probably. Yeah. So, so an, an actual soccer league uh, played this weekend, and we're going to go to our, our, our resident uh, Korean, MJ. Uh, break down the K-League for us, buddy. Well, first of all, I, I just want to say there, there are two governments now that are – well-equipped to do lots of widespread testing and patient tracing. And, and the United States is not one of them. Uh, Germany is one of them and, and Korea is one of them. And, and as they've loosened restrictions, uh, you've seen now more and more outbreaks uh, again in both, in both countries. And so from Germany, we go to Korea. I'll, I'll try to make this uh, really quick. In, but also not so boring that it's just me reading FOTMOP. Oh, spoiler alert. It's just going to be me reading FOTMOP. Um, yeah, so on Friday uh, was the opener. Uh, Junbuk Hyundai Motors beat the Suwon Blue Wings, sponsored my by team. Samsung, 1-0. It's my um, team. The, uh, 
Bill, that's your Remember, I picked him out of a hat yeah, you, last you, week. You picked up Junbuk, you, you drive a Hyundai and you pick uh, Junbuk Hyundai Motors. Out of the three Hyundai teams, I pick them. Now, they, they are the only K-League one team that has a non-Korean manager by the name of Jose Marais. And Jose Marais is from Portugal. And if you heard that name before, it's probably because he coached Barnsley for a while. That is not why I picked them. No, no, you picked them because they won last year. Because Hyundai's rock. You're also burying the lead, that Lee Dun-Juk. Is it Juk? Lee Dun... Anyways, he's 41 years old. He scored the first goal of the K-League season this year. 41 years old. He's a kid. Um, (laughs) Usan Hyundai, they are sponsored by the Heavy Industries Division and the the Oil Company Division of Hyundai. Uh, they, They beat uh, Sangju Sangmu uh, for nothing. And Sangju Sangmu is the Korean Armed Forces Athletics Division. And I love that. So uh, kind of like uh, for those of you that know like CSK Moscow or kind of their, their roots of, of being like the Russian Army team, like this is the Korean Armed Forces team. Uh, and they put a team in and so they're going to be young and inexperienced. Um, all Korean males are required to serve, I want to say, two years in in the uh, Korean Armed Forces. Did and, Did Ming Song just get out of this? Like with like yeah, 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 yeah. Of, of service. So, so Hung Min. Um, sorry, I'm going to say the Korean way, which is the family okay, name. Sorry, yeah, no, no, I apologize. No, no, no. Sung Sung Min just re- recently. Uh, there were photos of him serving. You know, working on it, and the hilarious thing was, like, like. His marksmanship, you know, was excellent. Or he passes the shooting drills with fire. I was like, of course he passes the shooting drills. It's, but, it sounds a lot like that that Netflix show, The English Game, where there's teams sponsored by factories. Yeah. So, all so here's the weird thing: K, the K League creates a, a small half of a peninsula that's isolated, and while they have Brazilian and Spanish players and and some players from Chinese players and they're trying to work on being less xenophobic and ways to get more foreign players into, into the league. It's still very, 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 very Korean. And so they only have 12 teams in the top division and 12 teams in the, in K league two. Um, so they're, they're both very small seven out of the, uh, of the teams are sponsored by, uh, you know, corporations or like they have the army the armed forces team um dave zeller's team is is a a the fourth largest steel company in the world um so a fortune 500 company so they're all like that except for the five that aren't and the five that aren't are owned by the governments in 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 those provinces so they're owned by the city the city governments um so that's five out of your 12 teams, almost half are owned by the city governments. And then the, the citizens become uh, willing or unwilling stockholders, if you will. Um, but anywho, after the Friday opener, um, Ulsan Hyundai, uh, oh, I already talked about that. So Incheon United beats, uh, or they drew uh, Daegu nil-nil and Guangzhou loses at home to Xiangnam nil two. Pohang Steelers, uh, Dave's team, uh, team. Fourth, fourth largest steel company in the world, 
Uh, they went home 2-0 to Busan Epoch. Yeah, take that, Busan. Yeah, and they are the construction development division of of Hyundai. Fuck you, Hyundai. Yeah. Uh, Please do not pronounce it Icar. Do not put down my car. Please, please do not pronounce it Busan I Park. That's the only thing I ask of you as, as the Korean on this podcast is Epoch. Um, pronounce it like an Asian. Um, this is not some uh, Apple developed uh, parking software for your car. This is not I Park. This is Epoch. If Hyundai um, wants to sponsor this podcast, I'll say whatever the fuck they want me to say. Uh, rounding out the five results. Um, uh, Guang Wang beat FC Seoul 3-1. Um, FC Seoul is sponsored by the GS Group, and no one here knows, unless you trade socks, no, knows what the GS Group is. But their biggest holding is a company called LG. So, Oh, Samsung. No, not Samsung. No, Samsung. not Samsung. Samsung's biggest competitor. LG. Oh. The, the other flat screen phone manufacturer in Korea. Oh. Anyway, uh, so um, not very unlike the Premier League. David's team wins, my team loses. It, this feels like a normal podcast to me. Um, <laughs> on FC Seoul's loss, uh, they actually scored first. Uh, Park Dong-jin scores in the 36th minute, and the first half ends nil one in favor of the visitors. And then Gangwang came out like gangbusters and scored three straight. So, very Everton-esque. Um, yeah, uh, sadly, sad, but true, sad, but true. All right. Uh, so thank you for that, MJ. Uh, we will, I mean, as there are really only two, uh, soccer leagues going, uh, there are the, the, Dan- the, Dem- the Danish league and the Polish league are going to be popping up soon, but, uh, yeah, I think we'll follow the Bundesliga and the K league, um, for, for the, the time being, um, on a much heavier note, uh, we want to talk about Ian Wright. I'm gonna I'm gonna flip this over to Bill to talk about um, some of the bullshit that Ian Wright has been uh, experiencing. Yeah, her life, but specifically very recently. Yeah, so Ian Wright, the uh, the famous uh, Arsenal star, um, English uh, national team star, um, Crystal Palace star. Uh, yeah, Crystal Palace star. Um, you know, held many records for periods of time on teams that he played on um and uh father to bradley philip wright uh what's his other son's name sean sean wright yeah so two uh two sons who both were big stars in uh in the game um anyway he had uh some pretty pretty he's been an outspoken uh guy he he's a presenter on tv for barclays and he covers uh he covers the women's uh, league in uh, in England for Barclays, and I think it's on Sky TV over there. Um, and he uh, he he's always come out and been very vocal against when there's been racist incidents. I remember when uh, when Raheem Sterling had uh, had that incident last season. Um, he was he was real vocal about it but today he had a tweet this morning um and he reposted some uh, screenshots from his instagram account and he wrote i'm i know i'm not meant to look at them but these messages hit me so hard man this is a child so he got these messages from a kid 
and uh him on instagram and it, what who is following him on instagram yeah this kid is following him on instagram and these these are you know horribly racist comments and uh i really don't want to read these comments but um don't. they were direct they were direct messages to him to ian wright and uh so this kid was following him we, we and can, i'll throw the i'll throw the the link to the tweet that you sent me yeah the, into the, the description of the podcast if you want to click on it it's not great it's, it's no it's pretty disturbing it's incredibly racist fucked up and it's super racist but if he, but so you know it it just goes to show and and like this last season in uh you know well right at the beginning of the season in mls when you know the cincinnati coach who they had to uh you know, get rid of because of racist statements in the uh, locker room. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't ever go away and it, and it probably will never go away, but the key is, and I really commend him for being somebody who stands strong and says something. Um, and, but we all have to, especially those of us who are, who, you know, do have privilege and, and, you know, don't have anything to be afraid. Uh, we don't have to, you know, be afraid and of this hitting us. We need to stand in front of this and, and say, no, this, this can't be tolerated. This isn't, you know, this isn't who we are. This isn't the sport. This isn't, you know, our country. Um, and, and it can't be tolerated. Yeah. I, so I heard from a source that there was some, uh, Nazi shit showing up, uh, in Frogtown, like stickers. And so I reached out to some people and I actually was uh, sent uh, a bunch of uh, anti-racism and anti, you know, uh, uh, anti that shit stickers to like bike around. And I'm going to like, where I can find a, a fucking like, you know, fastest sticker, throw on the anti-fascist sticker and, and take pictures and all that. So that's like, that's like the bare fucking minimum that someone can do. Um, yeah. But yep. it, you know, better than nothing, I guess. Yeah. Now, if you want to count, if you want to counteract this in your own life, go and follow Ian Wright on Facebook. Um, his his videos are so uplifting and so joyous, um, and he embraces people. And he he covers the British Women's League. And I know nothing about the British Women's League. I don't know any of the players. And during the, the COVID shutdown, he's been interviewing them at Holmes. And the interviews are amazing. And I am laughing my ass off during these interviews. And I don't know who any of these people are. And his interviews are just great. And, uh, and, and it's all him. He's just that fun of a guy. And, uh, and, and what, a, what, a, what a great guy. What a gift. Um, and there's another a, video on his page where he goes to classicfootballshirts.com's uh, warehouse up in Manchester, and it's just this like insane uh, warehouse, you know, that just looks like it goes on and on and on and on with uh, football shirts. And he's just going around for like 15 minutes pulling shirts off the rack, telling stories about you know every shirt he pulls off the rack, and it's just the most fun. So I, I highly recommend going following him. Yeah, if you and if you haven't gotten into Ian Wright's life, it's 
absolutely worth doing. It's a, he has an amazing story um, and it really informs why he is so passionately anti-racist because look, there are plenty of guys who have suffered the same kind of abuse he has who just sit there, they take it. They say, yeah, it's the price of being famous. They cash their check, they walk away. And, and righty is absolutely, you know, in the midst of it. I mean, he firmly believes in the fight. And you, you look into his story and the stuff that he went through as a kid and it all starts to come together. But like he went to prison for a while, um, terrible, terrible home life uh, growing up. Yeah. Had a prison stint and then got, got a chance at Crystal Palace I scored just baskets of goals comes to Arsenal. He's an absolute Arsenal legend. Um, he still shows up in team hype videos. He was in the, in their born in North London campaign. And so yeah, Ian Wright's an awesome guy. Totally agree with everything Bill said. Um, but if like get into his backstory too, because he is an absolute gem of a human being and deserves every good thing that happens to him. The, the, one of the highlights of the first season of, of being in MLS, I knew we were going to, I knew Minnesota United was not going to be a good team going into that first season, but I knew that we were going to get to see his son, Bradley Phillip Wright at, uh, at Bradley Wright Phillips at, at, you know, our stadium. Yeah, I was right the first time Bradley Phillips right at our stadium. And uh, we did get to see him in uh, what his second to last se- season. And uh, that was the joy of that first season of MLS is getting to see about 12, 12 players that I'd wanted, I'd been waiting years and years and years to see. I'm not going to claim that I'm the biggest Kim Ki Hee fan from Seattle, but um, no, I, I think, you know, going to MLS and seeing players from that are of more diverse backgrounds, whatever that's, it was great. Uh, NASL did that as well. I mean, I thought NASL had players from outside the U.S., but the the household names, the ones you know, it's 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 great to to be a part of that. I just want to say that as someone who does not identify as white but also does that identify as white, uh, one way you can do this, and I've mentioned this when we were interviewing the plastics, is the next time you know you're in a social situation at a bar, at a, at a sports game, you know, at a party, at, you know, at a, uh, eating dinner with a, a group and you see some people that, that aren't being engaged, you know, um, you know, take a step back from whatever your immediate surroundings are and look at it, look at the whole table or look, look at the whole, you know, stand section that you're in and just see if there are some people that aren't being engaged. And especially if they look different than you, you know, just say hi. You don't have to make a big deal about it. You don't have to say, yo, as a black person or as an Asian person, how did you get involved in football? Just ask how they got involved in soccer. You know, just, you know, what, what, what drew you to Minnesota United or, or what have you? Um, and, you know, just engage them and, and good things will happen. Yeah, hundred percent. Doubly so nowadays. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. It's a really fucked up thing to have to say that we need to be doubly like diligent about being welcoming and engaging. Um, you would have thought that we'd be at this point by now, but we are not. So, um, but Ian Wright is is like that guy is a ray of hope. Like he is so mm-hmm. 
optimistic and so he's a, he's a, a a beacon for the women's game in England. Um, like just like the, the way he like holds up women uh, in, in the the, um, the you know the FA WSL league like that's amazing and the guy's like outspoken on racism and has been and continue will continue mm-hmm. to be he's not going to be shut down so it's yeah. a shitty situation but you know he's the guy if you're gonna i mean like that's the wrong guy to like say that racist shit to because he's gonna call you out for it and he did and, good and he's got a platform <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. like yeah that like that idiot kid picked the wrong dude to try to uh be super racist too so yeah um so there is actually a little bit of united news uh actually literally tonight before we recorded uh minnesota united announced that they are beginning voluntary individual solitary trading on uh the 12th of june or may which is either today if you're listening to this podcast or yesterday or the day before or, or whenever you listen to this podcast um that's happening now and then another piece of United News, uh, Dark Clouds um, will, ult- will ultimately be donating uh, 400 masks to Minnesota Community Care. Um, so I don't know if you saw the Dark Clouds. And if you still haven't seen it, like Dark Clouds are, are selling masks. You buy one, we're going to donate one to uh, Minnesota Community Care, um, whose mission is strengthening the well-being of our community through health care for all. Um, they help all families, regardless of your ability to pay. So it's a it's a healthcare uh, organization, and so if you want a if you need a mask, it's going to take a little bit to get uh, to get that mask. Um, they just they're going to be sending out the first round in I think a few days, and then the, the they actually ordered more. So there's about 50 masks I think left to pay and then to buy, and then initial 50 will be sent to Minnesota Community Care. So um so yeah so that's most United and then uh, i saw someone else jumped in here with other united news so the a bunch of players jumped on some youth soccer zooms just kind of oh, randomly yeah. and so uh star tribune has a great write-up about this you can find it easily uh there's some great video so uh, great for the minnesota united players to connect with the community connect with the youth soccer uh community and i thought that was great Excellent. Uh, Minneapolis City News. MJ, this is, this is mostly you, so why don't you take us through Minneapolis so, City News. For those of you that are Minneapolis City fans or those that aren't, uh, follow them on Twitter. Follow them on Twitter at MPLSCitySC. There's a lot going on. Um, their center back, uh, Jonah Garcia, is involved with this lower league E-Cup, which is FIFA. Um, so if you like playing video games or playing video game soccer, um, the the cup just to exist is sponsored by Protagonist Soccer. They had different divisions for PC, PlayStation, and Xbox. Um, they're in the round six round of sixteen, and so Jonah Garcia continues to win. Uh, he'll he'll play the round of sixteen game this week. Um, their uh, co-founder Dan Hudeman was recently on a Zoom chat with Nick Morana of Oakland City, or sorry, Oakland, Oakland County FC from Michigan. And they did a Zoom Q&A on their club's models and how they built their clubs, how they fund their clubs. Do they pay people? Do they use volunteers? 
And so if that sort of like lower league soccer thing interests you, uh, that YouTube video, I, I'll retweet that YouTube video is, is up. Um, on Thursday, they will hold a Twitch at twitch.tv MPLS City SC um, from 7 to 9 p.m. Thursday. Answer questions about the 2020 season, whether they're going to have it or not. Um, they have the best damn kits in Minnesota. You can visit their, their club shop. And lastly, hold they, on, stop. What? How much is Dan paying you to rep Minneapolis City SC right now? Uh, neither Dan nor John Biswim are, are paying me for this. I just love the club. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, MJ. I, 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 they, they recently sent us an email way before Minnesota United ever sent any email about the season and delaying payments or refunding payments about here are your options you can uh get a refund for your entire season ticket pack package minus the cost of your your membership scarf and and the other items we included in that package um so minus our costs of sending you all all the all the gifts of being a member or you can count that as a donation an on a, a tax deductible uh donation and so they, they left that as our two options and we're very, very transparent about it. Um, and the last piece of news I have is that uh, two of my favorite things in the Twin Cities, the Karen Football Association that we just talked about last week with Taka and uh, Minneapolis City have a community partnership. And wh what does that mean? I don't know other than that the two clubs are speaking and there, there'll probably be some cross promotion of, of the Karen uh, Football Association and Minneapolis City SC. So I look forward to that. That's a that's a really cool partnership. Yeah. Uh, you can follow them at MPLS City SC on Twitter and at Karen, K-A-R-E-N, not Karen, but Karen, underscore, underscore, F-A. Some, some people might say that's Karen. Yeah. The, the, the reason why they had to do the Karen underscore underscore FA is because of all the Karens out there, but this is not Karen. Yeah. So I will, I will say this one funny fact. My, my mom, his, her name is Karen, but it's K-A-R-I-N. Ah. Not E-N. So I see all these like Karen posts about Karen not giving a shit about, about social distancing and shit. I'm like, yeah, makes sense. But then I, my mom's a Karen, but my mom actually cares a lot about it. And she's been very, for a woman who has a grandkid, two grandkids within like two miles of her, she's not going out and like trying to see her grandkids being very responsible. I'm like, that's not the same Karen. And I'm like, oh yeah, my, my Karen has an I instead of an E. So Karen. There you go. Fuck yeah, those Karen. I before E. Yeah. Except right. uh, So what are you guys getting into to, uh, to keep yourself uh, safe? And uh, surviving the Rona. MJ, let's start with you. You got a lot. Uh, so random connections with family. You know, I talked with a cousin that I haven't talked with, not in years, but I'd say months. Uh, and, and we used to watch a lot of film and TV together. And so we just caught up on what we're watching on film and TV. Um, his, his dad and uncle, he and I used to get together to, for pizza. Um, obviously, we're not doing that anymore. So my uncle called me out of the blue. And we just had a nice, nice discussion about culture and life. And, and uh, I Zoom tutored my, my niece in advanced algebra. Um, it's, it's fun making COVID connections, like when we're talking about 
the logarithmic curve or the exponential curve. And we're graphing those things. And I can like say, hey, you know, you've been reading about this in the news. You've been looking at this graph in the news. This is what this is all about. Um, and it's the only use my ice rink marker board has been, been used for, you know, since I'm not playing broomball. So. Cool. Um, well, yeah, so I, uh, so I've had TikTok on my phone for like a month and a half. Not, no, maybe not. Maybe in about a month. Anyways, so I, I, I'll like scroll through, like watch some TikTok videos. I'm like, yeah, this seems weird. I made my first TikTok video uh, over the weekend, boys. Uh, porn? Awesome. So I'm doing TikTok now. <laughs> uh, I think it's David Zeller 01 is my TikTok name. Let me find that real quick. And it's not porn? What's that? It's not porn? What not music porn. did you choose, David? Um, I, so I did a – so I took a video of myself. I think it was on Saturday night of uh, – me dancing. Uh, oh, there we go. Social media. TikTok. Do, do, do. Me. Yeah, David Zeller one at David Zeller one on TikTok. If you want to follow me on TikTok. Um, what music did you dance to, David? It was uh, I did I danced to a a Parks and Rec song. Five thousand candles by uh, Mouse Rat. No, not no. God no. That's way too that's way too aggressive. Uh, um, little little Sebastian. It was uh it was it was uh John Ralphio and uh, Mona Mona Lisa Saperstein singing Don't see don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious, don't be suspicious. Anyways. Um, can't say suspicious. Yeah. So, so I'm so I'm on TikTok now. Uh, that's the that's the big takeaway here. Uh, also, I've been I've been uh, been rewatching The Office because why the fuck not? It's like that's like you know, like I don't know. Never seen you it. You laugh. Like you know, yeah. It's right. just, it's, it's 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 just good for you. It just regenerates yeah. your soul. So I, I take it the American one, right? Well, both actually. I've, oh, both. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, the, the British one's on Hulu, and then the American one's on Netflix. And I, yeah, I mean, I've watched the British one probably like ten times. Yeah, I watched the American one all the way through like three times. I'm on my fourth watch through right now, but yeah, um, I just I just restarted the the American version, so um, I'm already up to like season three. So it it took me literally. I, I just put I, it's like something I can put on. Is I know it's not really good for you to fall asleep to like music and sound and TVs and all that. But like, I just, that's what it takes. It helps me fall asleep. So I put it on and like, it'll fall, like I'll wake up. It'll be three episodes after I was, I, you know, fell asleep from, and then I'll be like, okay, cool. I'll just jump back in. So anyways, um, Bill, what do you got? Yeah, I've decided uh, I've watched too much British TV because I've started calling aluminum aluminum. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, you know, it's been weird. I don't know what happened to the last week. Um, it just just is like, I think I've just procrastinated away the last week. Um, walks. Um, you got to fix that back, so it's good. 
Yeah, yeah. My back's doing great. I've spent a lot of time on my porch. Um, yeah, I really couldn't tell you. You know, the weed continues. The uh, weed always continues. Um, <laughs> it's legal. It's legal here in my house. <laughs> Good to know. I forgot you declared yourself a sovereign citizen. It is. All right, Dan, what do you got? Uh, I also watch a lot of British television, so I can't, I can't hate on uh, the aluminum alum- aluminum distinction. Although in this household, it is a basil basil fight. Yeah. Uh, wrapped up uh, playthrough of Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, the game is phenomenal. Uh, so highly recommend that to anybody looking to kill about sixty hours. Uh, so we'll see what I pick up this week. I'm thinking I may uh, play through the entire Mass Effect trilogy again. Uh, speaking of doing things for the third or fourth time. Uh, big thing happening this week is uh, the world's largest scavenger hunt, which officially is taking a, a one-year hiatus, uh, is doing an online thing. Mm. Um, so all the, uh, all the traditional teams are in. Um, so really, really, really looking forward to that. Um, I've been involved with it since... 2006, when uh, I was on the the team that won, I captained a, a team of about 100 people in 08. And actually, my wife Gretchen was uh, my secretary, who was absolutely amazing. Made sure all the timed items got done. And uh, then uh, I actually helped write items and run the show for almost 10 years. Um, just an absolute joy. Some of my absolute best friends are are good old scavies. I have a scav tattoo. Uh, it is not. Uh, it is not the official scav tattoo, which is uh, from I believe the 2005 edition of the Hunt. Which, uh, which it was truly an item on the list, and then it was get a tattoo that said "Sorry about the syphilis. Can we still be cousins?" Uh, which I know people actually got, and uh, so people take this pretty seriously. So that kicks off uh, midnight as Wednesday becomes Thursday. We get the list, and then who knows. Uh, you know, in traditional years, there's a thousand mile road trip component that obviously won't be happening this year. There's wow. cooking competitions that won't be happening in its traditional form. Um, yeah, large scale construction items. Uh, my very first scav, we built a walk in kaleidoscope. It's still one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, we lit it off a fourth story of a dorm using uh, stage lighting gels lit from above. And we got a trampoline in there. Like it was ball. Wow. So this thing is, is legit. It is an absolutely amazing event um, that has been a defining feature of my life. So it, it was a big, big loss not to be able to do it this year. I, like I proposed at SCAV last year um, because it was such a, a big thing for Gretchen and I to be with all of those people. Is there a way to follow that, to follow along? Yeah, so um, if you want to get involved and potentially do items, ping me on Twitter. I'll get you added to uh, the uh, non-student Slack. Most of the teams are for actual students. Yeah. Uh, but we were the, the graduate and alumni team. Yeah. So we, we pick up the strays now. Um, other than that, uh, scav, S-C-A-V 404.org uh, is going to be the official website. Uh, you can also follow along on Twitter. I really should know what the judges at is. Oh, I think it's scav, S-C-A-V, cabal, C-A-B-A-L, all one word. Oh, wait, no, wait. That's the account I lost the password to. Nope, it's not. Right. Right. I, used to, <laughs> I used to run the, uh, the judges' Twitter and then promptly lost the password at some point. 
<laughs> so yeah, this is an amazing event. Uh, you will see people do just some phenomenally stupid things that they will definitely come to regret later in life. Uh, the aforementioned tattoo being one, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's, I, I can't recommend this enough. Um, so yeah, check that out. Cool. Um, when I was a captain, I slept eight hours over the course of four days. Um, so, you know, it gets pretty intense if you're doing it full time and you're an undergrad. I, we, nobody pulls that shit anymore. We're too old. <laughs> yeah. what, what college was that through? Uh, the University of Chicago. That's what I thought. Okay. So, so yeah, in 2012, uh, we set the Guinness World Record for the largest scavenger hunt, um, beating out a bunch of Canadian school children and I believe <laughs> a, a Japanese company, a Japanese medical device company. Uh, and we did it because of the way Guinness defines a scavenger hunt. Uh, we did it for one event and then uh, did the other three days of the hunt totally independently uh, because they wouldn't count things like road trip and all that bullshit. Uh, we ended up losing the world record to uh, Google and the city of Provo, Utah, who did a scavenger hunt that was technically defined as the entire city of Provo. And uh yeah, I feel pretty good about that. You know, one beating out a, a bunch of Canadian school children for any type of prize, I think is, is a, a great feather in my cap as a human being. Uh, but then the fact that it took Google to beat us uh, is a pretty, uh, pretty great achievement. We know you can't can keep Canadians straight anyway. So it's, no, that's very true. That's very true. It's why I didn't even guess what city they were from. I mean, they could be from Yellowknife for all I remember. Whitehorse. They're from Whitehorse. From Whitehorse. They were all, they're crazy newfies. Um, Dan, you just reminded me that there, there are two huge uh, festivals going that normally happen kind of around now in the Twin Cities that have had to go virtual. Uh, the Minneapolis St. Paul International Film Festival, uh, which is normally in April, have moved from, uh, I believe, May 15th to May 20-something. Uh, if you like film and want to support uh, the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Film Festival, it's the 39th year. It's gone virtual. Uh, there are ways to uh, donate and experience amazing films online. Uh, mspfilm.org is, is that. And uh, everyone here is probably familiar in Northeast Minneapolis, my neighborhood, the 25th Art of World will be online this year. And that also launches May 15th. Um, and you can, at the Northeast uh, Minneapolis Art Association, N-E-M-A-A.org, N-E-M-A-A.org, uh, find about how you can be involved with this year's Art of World, which will go all summer, basically. It will go from May 15th through August um, and you can view art virtually. And you still can't fucking virtually park in my yard or driveway. Thank God. I mean, um, unless you wanted to host a, a virtual drive-in, Bill, you know, no. the, the film. Stay away from my yard. I got a scarecrow out front. Don't come here. Yeah, please don't go to Bill's or MJ's. Um, all right. Um, well, you know, I was just gonna, I'm gonna say that, uh, Andy Schletz, um, still kind of a fucking asshole. We haven't, we haven't talked about this guy in a while. At yeah. on Twitter. Um, 
He posted. probably doesn't support the local art scene. I'll tell you that. Yeah, he probably doesn't. He uh, he posted a picture on Twitter of uh, a Mother's Day of his wife gardening while he's like playing, like blasting Tupac tour at her. Come on, man. What the fuck? <laughs> at least do the gardening yourself, you fucking piece of shit. All right. Uh, you can always find us. Rate and review our, our podcast wherever you get the podcast at, whether that's on Apple. Uh, the iTunes or iPods or whatever, um, Stitcher, Spotify. Well, I don't think we're on Spotify. Um, wherever you get the podcast, please rate and review us. Um, Davesiknow.com, Patreon.com, slash at TDIKMN on Twitter. You can always find Matt Van Oko is at MVO Extreme. We forgot to mention that during his, uh, his, his, uh, his interview. MVO Extreme on Twitter. He's a really good follow. Um, please do that. You can find me at Chickzeller, Dan's at D Wade. Uh, if you want to get into that uh, weird bullshit that he was talking about, Matt's MJ Matsui at Bill underscore McGuire. Uh, yeah. So you guys, this was this was a good one. Yeah, it's been over two hours, unfortunately. Dan looks tired. Dan's very tired. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that I'm tired. Oh, this is me. I know. And work it out Cause we both know We can't do nothing at all Oh, oh yeah Oh, 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 oh. We did as long as you do yours, land here, become fecund. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Through the act, we attract two, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. We, 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 we do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. Y'all know we can't do nothing at all. Son. Now nah,